everyone. Welcome to Zonan Canada. I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge. So uh, there's been a lot of news lately, uh, none, none of which is quite uh, substantial enough to devote an entire episode to, but it's still worth mentioning on the show. So I'm just going to we're just going to do a uh, little bit of a News Bites episode where we cover a bunch of topics. And uh, joining me today for the first time in, in quite a while is my frequent co-host and uh, musical promotional vehicle for Toblerone, Carl Olson. Uh, Carl, yes. thanks for coming back. It's great to be. It's great to be back. And uh, you, because you had me back on, you do deserve that big Toblerone. Ah, uh, I don't deserve a big Toblerone, Carl. You know that. Not <laughs> not, not after all the delays we see in this show. Uh, if right. you don't know what we're talking about, uh, we are just kind of um, still on the threshold of the the introduction, the world, the world's introduction to Neo Yokio. Uh, and Carl has has uh, embraced it fully with his uh, with his latest single. I just, it, I just, it just, the, the hook hit me and I had to, like, I did it like a little 60 minute blip and then, uh, Nick Widenfield, who's now, um, like, a uh, big exec at Viceland, but was at the time, uh, a big exec on anime, uh, ADHD, uh, at Fox and w- wrote and helped produce, uh, wrote on and helped produce Neo Yokio, liked it and I'm like, oh, now I've gotta, now I've gotta do, make this a real thing. And then he's like, thanks for the song. And I'm like, oh, I did do that now, didn't I? But it's like, you know what, that, that show is, I think anybody who came in there being like, I expect this to be great was going to be let down. But anybody who's like, this is going to be a good goof. And especially, um, I think you and I have been perhaps privy to like the ridiculous, uh, path that this had to development, uh, maybe more so than a lot of the other, uh, anime folks on the internet. Car- Carl, there's actually one, uh, thing that I'm still not clear on. I know that back mm-hmm. when ADHD was running on Fox, and yes. ADHD, as, as we've discussed on the show many times before, was their short-lived, well, their their fairly short-lived uh, late-night kind of alternative They're, content uh, competitor to Adult Swim, which they basically hired in an Adult Swim exec yeah. in Nick Widenfield to to make happen. Exactly, but there has been word for quite a while that they were working on a co-production with Production IG uh, in yeah. Japan to develop a new show, and. You know, there are, there was Japanese involvement in the production of the show. There don't seem to be any credited writers or directors, but there are uh, there are storyboarders. Ja- yeah, storyboarders in other positions are are credited as as people in Japanese studios. And there's no Japanese studio that seems to be attached to the production. But is this that production that they were talking about back then, or was it something else that that, it, that is? I think this is absolutely it. Like as far as from from what I've heard from rumblings from our various acquaintances closer to that situation, mm-hmm. who I shall not name. Because <laughs> they will kill us. Um, and they have sway in the industry now. Um, they, uh, yeah, this is this was something that was originally intended for ADHD, and this was the co-pro that I think basically as ADHD wrapped up, this was still half rolling, and because of the talent involved, and because uh, like I like I think there will eventually come out a pretty interesting story from from Nick Widenfield about oh no doubt uh, about about exactly you know I, I I sort of said on Twitter this must have been really hard to move from from uh from from ADHD to Netflix and he just replies back with three like bullseye emoji. So <laughs> I can only assume it, it, that this was was probably quite a quite a feat to get so, done, but it sounds like basically what the other part of it is they spent most of their money not, actually not on the VAs but storyboarding from various and sundry articles about this. So they, yeah. they they spent a lot to get it like partially made and then down to it's probably why it looks a bit rough because it was like it got finished by a studio. It was not necessarily it is. ideal, but I mean, a lot of a lot of the talent on that, like this was somewhat before like 
Jaden is a meme, Jaden Smith, at the point at which he did this. This is like, because apparently a lot of the voice work and casting was d- done back in 2015. Like, uh, uh, that for example, incredibly, yeah, uh, uh, who are now incredibly successful on Viceland with their late night show were just like podcasters at this point, but they were friends with Nick. So they, they're like, Hey, you're a great fit for these side characters. And now in retrospect, it seems like, Oh, you get the cool Viceland talk show guys to be on your show. It's like, they didn't have that yet. They just had a successful podcast. Yeah, uh, but it seems that there's no indication that production IG was actually involved in it. It's like not only does it not only have like the writers and directors all essentially Alan Smithy themselves from it has an entire has the entire no, no, studio. The writer, the writer, no, no, the writers are on that. The writers like it was written by the dude from it was written by Nick and the dude uh, what's his face Ezra from from yeah Ezra Koenig from those are the people those are the people who wrote that he's the creator he's the creator he's credited as no he's no he's he's got he's got script watch the credits he's got script okay credits on each episode like they didn't have like that I mean it was very interesting again and and uh, it's worth reading the articles about it because you realize it was basically basically Nick and Ezra put this thing together <laughs> through Nick's connections at ADHD, but they didn't have like other stuff at ADHD actually like spent money on like more on the writers necessarily than trying to get the boarding done. So they basically Nick and Ezra wrote most of this themselves. And I think there's like maybe a couple of other English language writers, but that's part of why they're, they themselves are loath to build this as an anime. Netflix clearly doesn't have that compulsion, but they're like, yeah, it was written by, basically two white guys in the states <laughs> net, net, netflix and, was very sheepish about even unveiling this show it they did not even dare put it in my recommendations uh, at all even though you know ostensibly you'd think that this is the kind of thing they would promote to anime fans um i think it's been and, very interesting and, the anime fan reaction to this <laughs> oh yeah for sure it because it, so many people are like it's the worst thing ever and no anime no, no one who likes anime likes fashion i'm like that's like a whole genre of manga like that's Ayazawa's career. <laughs> I, you know, I find that the the way that the the show has been received, it really feels like something where people who are expecting something good and people who are expecting a like total disaster are like neither camp is going to be fully satisfied, and yet people no. are still going nuts for, and, and completely nuts over <laughs> it. Um, I I, I, I think, you know, it, I think it, it's it a very watchfully mimetic. Like it does, it, there there are just a lot of like fun weird lines in it because of shit like the Toblerone stuff and because you've got Dazus and Mero essentially retroscripting their characters at points. It 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 has more character than it should for something that was clearly like it's basically Ezra Koenig's like anime fanfic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, I, to I, the point where he says, like, he freely admits, like, the first episode is basically cribbed. The flavor is very cribbed from Tokyo Babylon and going back and thinking about it. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's totally that's totally a clamp vibe. This whole setting is very like if you if you'd had clamp do the character design to be like, yeah, but clamp could clamp would totally have like a New York uh, Tokyo fusion with like magic. That's the clampiest stuff I've ever heard of in like that kind of abstract context. Like the, the reaction has been really baffling to me because it's been baffling to everyone, I think. Um, cause the, the show is just so to me incoherent. I mean, it is very watchable. I, I sat through the whole thing happily sort of in this, uh, in this purgatory of, uh, of, of entertainment and hate, I guess you could say. <laughs> Um, hatertainment. Hatertainment. It's not, it, which is very different from, from hate watching. This was, yeah. this is not, this is not something I was hate watching. I was just kind of drawn into it. I couldn't resist, uh, as was <laughs> the case with many people. Uh, you can't, you can't look away from it. 
Um, it, it is a watchable production. Um, I, I still argue, and I, I think we, we've had this argument before, but mm-hmm. I, I feel the show is completely tone deaf. I, it's like you have the, the elements of high society in New York. You have the elements of supernatural powers. You have like the whole ridiculous meritocracy, uh, eligible bachelor system that you see going on. You have the extremely weird line deliveries of, uh, of, of Jaden Smith's character. And it, nothing really comes together for me. I don't really get a strong sense of what they're actually going for. Like I said, I, I don't think the, the 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 mashup of tones was necessarily as, um, especially some of the larger critics on on any Twitter and and on uh, some of the major anime news sites are like, this can't this this can't at all go together. I'm just like, it totally can. I don't think it's necessarily coming together that strongly here, but I think a lot of this stuff gets carried along because yeah, Jaden's just being Jaden, and I think the only reason i like i think a lot of people still don't can't even get past that and i'm like oh well i i i feel that now because like knowing more about his background i'm like he's just back it's the same kind of like raised by artists in a semi dianetics kind of roots you know it's like all right <laughs> you're going to make weird observations you're going to have like a weird sensibility about yourself and i can oh now i i now get the angle um i think i think the more i think the thing that since we've talked understanding that this was done and kind of half done on a shoestring, um, and then kind of finished up haphazardly. Like, I feel like if they were to revisit it, it would, they'd have a much stronger sense of what they were trying to go for in this, like, gossip girl meets, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho first season almost vibe, right? You know um, what? I, I would actually, I, I don't, I, I will not go as far as to say that I want another season of Neo Yokio. Not, not only because I don't think we actually need more of it, but because I don't think that an attempt to make a second season of Neo Yokio would actually produce anything that anybody would actually want. Uh, the, the, the unique, um, let's say flavor that the season we got it's, has, it's, it's it a lightning be... of sorts in the yeah, yeah. bottle. Exactly. This like, cannot either, be like you do it again, like they're going to lean they're, like they'll probably try and lean too much into the Toblerone joke. They'll actually have a budget this time around. There's no way around that it would actually be like really bright and tight. And it's kind of I mean, one of the things I will say is because Neo Yokio, none of it's it's it, if it's nothing if not consistent. Like I I never really felt like I was watched like maybe that racing that some of the people have picked apart. But for the most part, I've never I didn't I never had that like this shit isn't even composited right vibe that I got with the super low budget series in the early uh, O's late nineties yeah. with like, and those were full, fully Japanese productions, but some of those were just done on such a, on, on such in tight, tight budgets that like, they were all like really choppy and poorly put, put together yeah. and poorly composited. And you know, and I never had that vibe here. Everything was consistent. It just never really, if, especially if you thought like, this is going to be production IG. It's like, man, this is like B train. And actually it's kind of better than B train because B train does get that inconsistency thing going. And this was at least even across the six episodes. Yeah. Um, I do also feel the writing was really geared around, like they thought that this was going to run over the course of like six weeks. And I feel like having this stuff all back to back made it feel like it was supposed to have more continuity than was intended. And that makes it maybe makes it feel more like if what you're, if, if the implication of binge watching is continuity and then you don't get that, it's going to, it's going to feel a little yeah you know, you know what i don't think this show would have been able to hold an audience for six weeks i think i think even, no, even no, though it's not designed to work as binge watching i think yeah i think <laughs> even though it's not designed to be binged clearly i think it did in this case did benefit from being able to access all the content at once and uh, as i was saying even though 
I, you know, I don't think a, a second season of, of Neo Yokio is, is something anybody wants or needs. I, 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 I would clearly be, want and need it. <laughs> I, I would I would be very I would actually be very enthusiastic about seeing uh, Ezra Koenig and Nick Widenfield developing a new show, especially if they built it off of if they were able to build something new off of the reaction that Neo Yokio has received. Yeah. I think I think I, we could get something really kind of ki- ki- kind of unique and uh, yeah. and and relevant and, and I, I, surprising. I, I, do think, I do think Nick has a really good sense of how to of, of who to pick. Like I think he's going to be. Over the years, he's going to be to Viceland what um, uh, Jason DeMarco has been to Toonami and what Mike Lazo has been to Adult Swim. Like, I feel like he's going to have that sense of really how to pick talent, how to have his finger on the pulse. I've joked. You, have, you said, have a very optimistic view of the future of uh, Viceland, I have to say. <laughs> not, I'm not thinking of it in terms of the Canadian network, um, but maybe this is a good segue. Technically, uh, the Canadian network is the main network. I think. I think. In fact, I believe the U.S. network and the Canadian network, even though they're not technically the same channel, they're sort of uh, intertwined in a similar way. Before we move on to Vice, uh, but I feel is, like, but I feel like it's working better in the U.S. But yes, before we move on, but before we move <laughs> on, we we do. I do need. I did want to mention that it is invariable that people are going to make comparisons between Neo Yokio and you know its long lost Canadian sibling, My Life Me. I don't think that my life me is something we've really talked about much on the show. I feel like it's a it's it's probably for the people who listen to this podcast they know our feelings on it because they're probably you know I, I don't want to say all of our listeners are our friends but I'm sure many of our friends are our listeners but um, no they are two very different approaches to embracing an anime aesthetic and fusing that with um, a western ish setting. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, well, yeah. I mean, the the thing is that they both are trying to capture something. And well, okay, I, with in the case of my life, me, I mentioned that uh, I, I mentioned that with Neo Yokio, it seems to be completely tone deaf. I would argue that conversely, even though my life, me, is by far the weaker production. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's a very visually off-putting flash series that was developed by Teletoon that they actually kind of buried for almost two years uh, after it was produced, then it was finally unleashed on the world and uh, became a uh, uh, briefly became a meme due to its it's, uh, its poor quality and complete inability to capture the manga like a, and anime culture that it was trying to highlight. It's, with its like uh, it's like a Tokyo Pop Amera manga animated. Well, <laughs> yeah, and 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 Svetlana Chemakova was uh, involved in the series. She's credited yes. she's credited as uh, a creator. I don't really know if she contributed much. My Life Me was created by J.C. Little, I, and I've always kind of suspected, uh, I don't really know what else J.C. Little has worked on. I, I've always gotten the impression that My Life Me was something that she was trying to get off the ground for a long time, and I think the anime aspect was kind of added in as a as a, uh, an as, as aesthetic hook. An aesthetic <laughs> hook that wasn't originally there and got it off the ground just barely. Um, this, is, this is speculation, of course. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a weaker production compared to, to Neo Yokio. Yeah, Neo Yokio is much nicer. Like as, as much Neo as one Yokio, of it's about Neo Yokio's animation, like My Life Me is much rougher animation but, oh, and much yeah, rougher boarding if, and like pacing. But I will say, if Neo Yokio is tone deaf, uh, I would I cannot give the same criticism to My Life Me. There, as terrible as it is, there is never any question about what they're going for in that show, and what what they're going for is is completely terrible. Um. <laughs> but, <laughs> I will. Say, I will say. I'll say. I, th- I think the biggest difference to me between the two shows is like. I. I mean. I really can't. Uh, the only characters in 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 
and Neo Yokio that I like are Days of Samaros because they're just Days of Samaro. And I like watching their late night show. So it's like very easy for me. Like, ha, you put, you made them cartoons. Otherwise, a lot of the rest of the stuff, it's like, um, you know, I read a lot of, like, I, like, I read all, all things considered. Like, that was the thing that really surprised me. I was like, I, there's no fashion manga. It's like, I'm not into fashion, but I've read a lot of fashion manga. I love Princess Jellyfish and how, like, nitty gritty it gets about, like, the actual process of that kind of stuff. Same for Paradise Kiss and same for, like, you know, there's, there's a, um, oh, there is, man, there is, like, uh, Instant Teen has, like, modeling and stuff. And there's a whole bunch of these, there's a whole bunch of these, uh, like, Tokyo Pop, like, four volume things that were all about, like, yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, and all of them do it, arguably capture that in a much more fun way, even when magic's involved than, uh, the Yokio. But, um, you know, so I can't really, re- so like I said, it, do- it doesn't stick to w- as well as a character thing, but it's kind of easier to watch at a distance. My life, me, is just kind of tricky to watch because there is like genuine, like these people are being obnoxious weebs. And I'm like, I know those people. I've occasionally been those people. And it's almost like brutal to be like, yeah, that was. That was community college in late high school. It's like how somebody it's cynically tough. trying to capture the uh, the manga culture sees the people who embrace it too enthusiastically. I I I, I don't even I don't even think of, I don't even necessarily think the cynical part hurts of holds. There are absolutely people as obnoxious as the people on that show, which makes it kind of because there isn't that. If you're going to have characters like that, then you really need to, like, really brutally bring the denouement on top of their heads. You need to go, like, always sunny and, like, ruin their lives in response to how cloying they are. And, uh, or, you know, like, you you, you know, it's it's the kind of thing It's like, you can have a cast of people that you root against, but you then, you know, Daffy Duck, Daffy Duck needs to get shot in the face. And there isn't that level of consequences ever for these characters. So it's just really, just like in real life, really annoying weebs bumbling through why bumbling through life and never really paying the price for yeah ne- it. Ne- never getting the criticism or, or well, never getting the, the criticism or, 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 or comeuppance or or to, uh, or, it, or reality shake or reality and, and to it that's need. one yeah. thing that neo yokio is good about is constantly reinforcing what a piece of shit kaz can be sometimes like mm-hmm. they, they really underline that like he's self-absorbed he's narcissistic and he's an idiot um, like, you know, and, and it's one of those things where it's like, even in its tone deaf moments, they're very valuable moments in a sense for, even if it doesn't all hang together, they've clearly delineated like, yeah, this guy's the lead character on the show. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's like sympathetic. <laughs> like the only person on there who's kind of got their head on straight is probably the, uh, the recently possessed fashion blogger, Helena St. Tessero, who's like, yeah, this city's garbage. <laughs> Like, it's like, it doesn't necessarily do a great job of trying to sell its, um, I think entirely valid message. Uh, but it's, it's un, it's, it can be no question as to what it's trying to communicate. And I think My Life is trying to be this, like, fun show about teens, but then gets bogged down, I think, it a lot by, but we've got to make it weeb. <laughs> and that's, that, that then just means like, oh, so you're going to make these, like, the people who I, like, cut out of my life 10 years ago. <laughs> Apologies to anybody listening. Carl, is your is your single for sale? Um, no, it's free. It's free. Okay, I was gonna <laughs> say. Stuff, 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 I, I, I was gonna say. Uh, I was gonna say buy your single, but uh... no, I'm not, I'm not going to charge for that because I don't want to get sued by Reed Hastings. <laughs> like, I imagine, I imagine everyone else would be like 100 percent cool with it, but Reed Hastings, the CEO of Netflix, probably. All right, so so what are we gonna segue into next? Let's let's go with uh with Viceland, I think. So Viceland UK. 
Uh, it looks like their anime lineup is going strong. If you haven't heard, they have been running some shows over there uh, because obviously that means that the station is probably not doing too well in the UK and they're uh, kind of desperate to branch out. But they did run Eureka 7 and uh, Tokyo Ghoul and a few others. And uh, they've added Kill a Kill to their upcoming lineup. Apparently that show is going to be debuting sometime uh, soon. I did not hey, get... Mm. Hey, I just realized, you know mm-hmm. what Kill a Kill is? What is Kill the Kill, Carl? It's another anime. It's another anime that involves uh, critique about fashion. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it takes a much different approach to it, but it is certainly uh, the. Uh, I, I think I think it's been pointed out that the show is. Did, didn't the staff essentially point out the show is supposed to be about Uniqlo? Yeah, it's totally. Yeah. It's just like it's like Uniqlo is. What if what what if Uniqlo aliens and evil? That's like that's the show. <laughs> so. All right, Carl, you, you seem to have opinions on the U.S. version of, of Iceland versus Canadian. I, I don't get the channel anymore. It's no longer in my package, and I'm not sure how much of it you've seen. Um, like, what, what gives you the sense that the U.S. version is going strong? Um, what's, like, what's, what, what, what separates it from the Canadian version? And do you think that if things are slipping with the Canadian version, that uh, anime is a route they could go down? Um, I am not fully sure how much of a difference there is between the U.S. and Canadian versions. I just know that in the U.S., um, lots of people seem to be, like I said, Days of Samara went from nobodies to like, they get their show on Viceland and now they're a lot more than just a podcast and they're getting a lot of other opportunities, uh, as, as, uh, two guys from the Bronx. Uh, I think they've been really good about drawing in, um, very interesting musical artists to do content for them. They've had their ongoing series, The Therapist, which I believe runs in Canada as well. But I think, you know, the U.S. having just cares more about hip hop than Canada. So having all these, uh, cool rappers talk about like deep issues with a therapist is, um, much more compelling television, probably. Uh, they also have that whole basically how it's made series with Tyler the Creator, Nuts and Bolts, which I watched all of on on demand and is great. Um, I feel like they're making a lot of quality content. They figured out a very, uh, how to be like the, you know, in a sense, by format, it's not necessarily different than a lot of what other networks are trying to do. But who's driving that information and who they have hosting it is really relevant to younger people. So even if it's not necessarily super successful in terms of getting people to buy a deep cable network, I imagine a lot of people are streaming it, perhaps on their parents' cable logins, as I am. So, um, yeah, I, it's a network that it's a network that I, I will freely admit fits my personal interests and bias pretty well. Um you know, I'm going to watch a show that has Action Bronson talking about food because I like Action Bronson rapping and he loves a lot about food because he enjoys it. But I can see where that's I can see where a, I think I can see where in the Canadian landscape, there's nothing necessarily that really locks it down to, you know, there's nothing that's specifically Canadian about it um, and nothing that's going to get you to buy a Canadian prices deep cable or seek it out, I think. So I can see where that's a problem. I mean, they run some of this content also on who's Vice's corporate parent for Canada. So, so Vice is run by Rogers uh, yeah. in Canada. So, so, and, and so, so, so one of the Rogers broadcast stations will also run some Viceland shows late at night as see, well. So, see, this is, so, this so is that's another reason. thing that kind of, this, this is, this gets in. So I'm sure there's some of this stuff that must be CanCon that's then being just recycled. And Th- that, that was the whole, the whole the network, right? The whole underlying yeah. objective of the project was to, create a channel which would have CanCon as its core content that could that would be appealing to international audiences enough to sustain the because, essentially like, the same channel in the US. It seems that all these versions of Viceland have spin off spun off in different directions from that. 
No, they've got they've got some of the stuff, but I mean, I know that also some of the, like this cyber war thing. I know they've run late night on like something Rogers owns over the air because I've seen it over the air. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Rogers owns City TV, and yeah, on City, that's and, where it was. Yeah. And when we're talking about like the viability of of TV going forward, it's worth noting that we've seen companies like Telus are finally starting to experiment with packages that are geared towards people who only want about five channels um if you yeah. and like if you want if you seek out those types of deals um well they're, they're usually gonna be packaged with internet which which sucks and makes it harder to uh get internet from third-party providers like tech savvy which is what i think right. most people in 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 uh in this kind of audience uh would be would be trying to seek out but yeah uh there there are we are kind of seeing that cable infrastructure collapse or consolidate in that way it's still really annoying and, because like okay you have city tv it's digitally broadcast vice mm-hmm. could be a sub channel it's that exactly, simple i mean exactly. you, but, there's going to be you're going to have to for some of that content you're going to have to go through and and maybe um bleep it extra uh for certain times a day i'm not even sure if the ctrc would care on a sub channel it would be, be, to be it, frank. it would be the same it's not like in the states where um, local broadcasters are regulated by the FCC and cable stations are not. Um, all the services are treated the same way. So, so in other TV. words, they so, just they could just they could just run the Viceland there, and then yeah. you can get it to an audience that isn't necessarily that is that is going to be your tech savvy audience. Yeah. And I do wonder if that's eventually going to have to be the end game here. That, that I can well, also. That's, but, that, I mean, that's here, the but, thing but, is that but, where where we are kind of seeing that collapse of cable happening very quickly like I, I think that we've talked about this many times in the show before i think we saw the peak of cable and satellite and and discretionary broadcasting uh, or especially broadcasting uh just probably less than two years ago we are we are over that hill now uh it, it is on the decline uh, much faster than in other countries like the u.s or the uk where you know having blocks for for programming like anime even if it's on like a deep a deep cable channel or a, even a basic cable channel like like uh, Adult Swim in in the states is you know it's sustainable and you know we 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 always talk about Vice we we often talk about Vice Land on the show in relation to its potential for running anime simply because the UK version does um, I don't actually know what the what the chances of that are my un, my understanding think, from the numbers I, I, I I've guess seen the, I guess the biggest question is 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 it really I mean, I'm pretty sure that when I had Viceland, they were running different, like, more Canadian ads in between stuff. But, I mean, if it's essentially being scheduled out of the same place, maybe as the U.S., maybe that limits their options. I still think there's a ton of stuff that Adult Swim hasn't picked up. I do think because Viceland is appealing to a more fashion-forward urban audience that you don't have to run... Like, in the U.K., there is no place to even run the action stuff, which is kind of your first-level, big-ticket anime. I feel like Viceland would be a great place to, like, run a... Like I said, Yuri on Ice would be great. It, run that after Gaycation. Um, <laughs> and not just because yeah. it's, like, got Shonen I overtones. It's like, there's a crossover in those yeah, audiences, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. People who want to watch Ellen Page, you know, go on vacation, will also want to watch... Uh, Yuri on Ice, um, and I feel like there's I feel like there's actually a pretty deep deep row of shows that Vice could tap that would be it, different. You know, uh, I, run, I don't think you know it what? even needs run, to be run, that strategic. Um, actually, you know what? You could like you could run um uh and Tonkatsu DJ would be awesome on Vice Lane. <laughs> I don't know, about, we'll we'll see fit. about that. But <laughs> um, Beck would have been a great fit for Voice Land for Vice Land. Um, I think there's a lot. Of, I think there's a lot of stuff that would be interesting and cool fits here. Um, but I also, yeah, I don't, I don't know how likely it is. I feel like Canada always gets yeah. the well, short end of this. I feel like we're, you know what? I honestly feel like I feel like we're more likely to get, see 
NHK World broadcast the new Card Captor Sakura series globally, and thus us get that over the air. You, you, you say you say Britain. us, you say us, Carl. Like you know, we like, all have like, access like, to like, to uh, like, to NHK over the air. Well, it also <laughs> streams, so it does also it. stream, but there's no Chromecast in the app. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, I, I I I think that the the thing that would color my my view on Viceland is mainly the fact that it seems that their numbers have dropped quite a bit um, in the uh, for the Canadian version. Uh, I don't from, think it's something people are going to independently subscribe yeah. to, especially if Rogers keeps. I, I mean, maybe it's a promo thought to them, but I honestly think it's them just recycling. Like this is was technically X produced in Canada, so we can run it at three in the morning, and thus City meets its CanCon re- requirements. And I'm like, well then. A bunch of people are also gonna be like, I didn't have to watch this if they were up or they uh, DVR'd that. <laughs> I to, to me, the more important thing is the fact that Viceland does have synergy with City TV, and if yeah. content and, and like you know, even if we do see the destruction of all specialty channels within five or six years, uh, pro- probably no less than that. But I mean, and these days, who knows what the hell's gonna happen? Maybe, I feel like a lot of that Viceland content would then yeah, just probably I, exactly. running it's, on City. There's gonna be all like City. Does City have a late night? Run any late night shows? Just run Days of Samaro. Done. Run that against uh, CTV running um, Daily Show because they both have a lot of commentary on the same subjects and you know yeah go head to head. But I mean, I mean, the idea of unlike in the US or the UK where I think that cable and satellite is probably going to sustain itself a little longer, even though we're seeing the same like kind of inevitable I, I decline. Which I is I think they're in a better position in the yeah. US and the UK to make like elegant transitions to other options, like. UK has Freeview. They have a yeah. hundred satellite free channels that that could just eventually end up on. Uh, the US has a much deeper uh, over the air uh, sub channel yeah. game, and I could easily see some cable uh, things just kicking out these like super low rent digital exactly. sub channels. Right? This, this is why it is so tragic that Canada has not entirely thrown out its over the air infrastructure, but seems hell bent on doing it because. The implosion of cable and satellite is going to come much faster here than it will in those other countries, and sort of the the uh, to me the inevitable situation well, it, with it, broadcast is that it's all going to come back down to like those to local local broadcasting or over the air broadcasting. That right. like, at some point that's going to be sort of for the most part all that's left of traditional well, broadcasting. Well, Canada also has another issue, which is whereas in the U.S. U.S. for sure, I'm not sure for sure about the U.K. on this, but the U.S. definitely is making plans to turn cable into something that you can get like Netflix as a separate package that you can just order as IPTV and that will extend the life or roll a lot of people into it. There is none of that up here. There's no access to like a YouTube TV type package up here or a sling TV type package up here. Really? Like, I I mean, I love the. uh, If there is one, please write to the podcast, tweet at us and tell us, because there seems to be no evidence of that. And the result is, is things are going to happen faster here and there's nothing to fall back into. And we don't have the over the air sub channels for these things to, to collapse back into either that. I mean, we, we don't have that already rolling. Um, it's something that suddenly as cable would be get becoming unviable, it would be like, Oh shit. Now we got to get this on OTA or, or, or kill it or try and create a IPTV package. And it just seems like we're, we're always kind of technologically behind the curve. There's a lot of nice stuff that we don't get like, 
Amazon's a- announced a trillion more Echoes and we will never see them. Doesn't matter that they're putting a bunch of offices and employees here, right? <laughs> we're just never gonna, we're never gonna get the Fire Tablet or we'll get it in like 10 years. So there's all this, we're always behind that curve. And, and the same thing applies to IPTV. If you don't get that in the same way that the States has already got multiple services being offered that you can be like, I don't want PSTV. I'm gonna get Sling instead. So that, um, being, 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 being locked in in that way. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna hit a crunch that I think other countries won't. Yeah, because we'll just like cable 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 will eat it, and then there won't be like. But then I'll get my IPTV on. Like, no, you won't. Well, uh, they'll be on demand. Maybe. You, well, a digital subchannel, probably not. Yeah, it sucks. But bringing this back to you know the the purpose of anime on broadcast. Um, I think I think like we're still at a point right now. We're just getting it on. If if I think that it is still very important to get it on broadcast because as yeah. You know, industry people have mentioned on this show, it it is it, it is an indispensable way of of helping the industry gain exposure. Even if it's on a station that not a lot of people watch or are getting, uh, that exposure is still really valuable because you have the potential to reach audiences that you wouldn't reach before. Oh, yeah, and oh, yeah. and it also by if one station were to run anime, it would validate being able to just running anime at all on Canadian TV because we're in a situation right now where nobody even wants to touch Dragon Ball Super, which to me is completely bizarre. I don't That's understand. That's so backwards it, and weird. Like, it, it makes no sense. Uh, and if someone would just would just give it a shot, I think it would it could make a big difference. But I think if we want to consider this possibility of, of anime just having a proper place in the Canadian media system moving forward, I, I think being on a broadcaster that's going to have that synergy with, uh, you know, Networks or over-the-air broadcasting, I think, is is a really important thing to keep in mind. So if it does show up on Viceland, I mean, you got that synergy with with City TV. If it is really successful, you yeah. know, you might you, you might see more movement with uh, with that programming going on. Yeah, going on and it, and I guess is a kind of limit that some of the pro- programming that's probably been most successful for Vice definitely isn't Canadian. Like Days of Samara's shot in New York City, um, Epically Latered, which is the new skateboard thing, sort of dealing with uh, God, what's his name? Brian Blank, the guy who was on Jackass and then had his, uh, Bam Margera, his whole mm. kind of recovery show. That's, again, not going to fit the CanCon bill because it's all U.S. and shot in Europe as well. Um, there's a lot of this stuff. I mean, a lot, that, of, like, stuff be, a lot, a lot of this stuff is just going to be run after midnight. And yeah, Can, it's, CanCon it's, rules are still, for the most part, running up until midnight. So, yeah. Yeah. But it's going to have to. And that's maybe actually a great spot for a lot of it because then you can just run it uncut. Um, you know? Or you put it, feel a lot more confident about it. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know. I, I feel like also City would probably be well, well served by embracing that aesthetic because it would get younger people to watch the network. Wow. It's, it's like we're in 2009 or something having this exact same conversation again. <laughs> um, oh man, I miss, I missed the old City TV before, uh, back when Chum owned it. It was, uh, it, it was a better time. No, it's kind of it's, 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 kind of, a, it's kind of funny that they, they then just made like a whole separate cable network that yeah, had like I, a more fitting aesthetic. Exactly. Ha- yeah, having a, a Viceland infused city TV is certainly interesting, but it, it well, still doesn't well, match up to the old show like stuff. Like, but well, I mean, the flip side of it is this: like, you get a Viceland infused city TV, you get to tap the talents of people like Nick Widenfield. You get to tap the talents of Spike Jones, mm-hmm. fuck's sake. You know, he's a key principal in. Um, uh, in um viceland uh it's actually i mean that's actually another good point with viceland like they're launching careers regularly now in terms of in terms of a question you know are they creating success it's like not just days of zamero um the uh rap boy band as they call themselves brockhampton uh led by kevin abstract 
they he had a show with Brockhampton on Viceland, uh, American boy band that was chronicling his first tour and the lead up to their uh, sort of first serious album saturation. And uh, that's been, you know, their tour sold just straight out. They have building more and more hype. And it's also a testament to their quality and their music. But it's also because you get on a network that already has the right eyes on it. And you're then delivering uh, something that that, that audience is going to be interested in. Uh, you just shortcut a whole bunch of grind. Um, so yeah, I think they're totally, I think in the U.S. they're, they're having an effect. And to be completely fair, Brockhampton's show here in Vancouver this past week sold out because I wanted tickets and couldn't get it months ago. So <laughs> there is clearly some positive vice effect. I'm just not sure, I'm just not sure if that's going to translate into a successful cable channel. Yeah, it's it, it's kind of hard to measure that right now uh, based on different factors. But uh, Vi- Vi- Vice is a strong brand, no matter how you cut it down. So I don't think I don't think yeah. Vice Land is going anywhere. But uh, you know, potential for anime, hard to yeah. say. I think, pretty, I, I, I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty right I'd be, now. I'd be cool with it if it happened for sure. Oh no, it'd be awesome. And I think, like I said, there's the Vice is in so much better position to diversify itself than Adult Swim at this point. Adult Swim, by having Toonami, it's a great brand for action animation. You're never going to get to run... Like, you like had Toonami been the Adult Swim brand for anime, for anime at the point, like, earlier on, they wouldn't have ever ru- tried even running weird stuff like Crayon Shin-Chan or Super Milk-Chan. And some of what they ran was, like, Super Milk-Chan sucked, but, I mean, Crayon Shin-Chan was a lot of fun, but it wouldn't have fit on Toonami. Yeah. For, for so the, it probably, simply probably wouldn't have been run. <laughs> for, for, for the record, I don't actually you know, give a shit about whether or not anime runs on Viceland in the U.S. I'm purely thinking oh, Canadian. Well, no, 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 well, no. <laughs> but, I, I, know you're purely, I know you're purely thinking Canadian, but my point is, is that Vice as a brand yeah. has a lot more latitude that even other for successful sure. brands in the same demographic actually don't for anime. So if they embrace it, they can quickly outrun their competitors generally in North America, I think. Yeah. Or at well, least give them a real, or put this way, at least force them to, like, think about more than just action animation, which is valuable for everybody. So uh, I assume you've also heard quite a bit about that new Canada Netflix deal that had uh, just been announced this week as well. Hundred million dollars or something. It's a introductions. Five hundred million dollars over the next five years. So basically, hundred million dollars a year. A hundred million dollars. That's how. That's how. That's how I got to that number. Yeah. So Netflix has agreed to invest that much into Canadian production over the next five years, and they're. um, the more interesting thing is that they're going to be establishing a studio here in Canada. That is the first time they've done this in any country outside of the U.S. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with how Netflix works, basically their entire international operation is in the U.S. They don't actually, you know, they they say they have Netflix Canada, Netflix UK, Netflix Germany, whatever. Though they don't actually have any physical presence in those countries. Everything is run out of the U.S. Um, but this is the first time Netflix is really going to have any presence outside of the U.S. That is pretty significant. Yeah. Well, especially because, I mean, if they actually make good stuff, they're not going to just make that for Canada. It's immediately, they they will own that lock, stock, and barrel. They will distribute it everywhere. So theoretically, it puts Canadian content or Canadian created content in front of a lot of eyes, like way more than yeah. you could ever... Or, or put it this way, and in a very immediate way. It's not going to be like, well, City makes this thing, and then maybe it gets licensed to deep cable in the States, and then maybe it gets aired on satellite in Australia. No, the world will get it the same day. Well, I, I, there's a couple thoughts. One, Netflix <laughs> is going to have a lot of incentive to actually produce good content uh, under this under this model, and that... Well, yeah, they're throwing yeah. so much money at it that they yeah. either have to produce really good stuff, or they have to say, like, we're going to produce 
maybe not we're not going to aim for quality we'll aim a bit for quantity but we're going to do such a weird and wide r- wide array of stuff that they'll really figure out what is optimal for yeah. this particular process and like th- th- i can is, see that kind of splitting yeah. it 50 50 on this like there, one prestige show and then like five weird things th- there <laughs> is a possibility that they're going to put competitive pressure on Canadian productions as well. How that's going to play out, it's hard It's hard to say. You can never predict I, how co- competition actually works in this country, it seems. I think it could I think it could be really negative, because if, if they're suddenly just able to, like, wave checks in front of the people, the, 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 the best people who haven't left for the U.S., that could be, like, regular TV in Canada could get suddenly pretty dire with that much. Like, that's so much money so but quickly. Here, here's the thing. Like, I don't think it's even clear. I, I, or rather, I don't, I think the possibility that we're overlooking here is that a lot of the stuff that Netflix produces in Canada might not even be available on Netflix in Canada. Like, the, the trend that we're seeing with a lot of broadcasters or Canadian production or Canadian broadcast companies right now is to actually, mm-hmm. they produce the content in a, as a partnership with Netflix. And, mm-hmm. say, CBC, that's what they're doing with Alias Grace. Um, right. And I, I don't think that's going to be happening going forward. I think with something like this, they're just so? going to say that's, I think they're going to be, you don't throw that much money at it and don't own, own it globally. Like this is, they're going to be like lock, stock and barrel on it. This is like when Amazon has been like throwing money at stuff and they have been trying to be more global since they now have launched the platform globally. Um, with, with, with Prime Video, it's going to be the same thing with like, if they're spending a bunch of money up here to like make shows, they're not going to be like, but not for Canada. Like, no, that they're, they're, they're going to want that too. <laughs> Another another issue to point out is that uh, this this uh, investment is not necessarily for um, Canadian production. It can be yeah. towards uh, production uh, American-based productions that uh, happen to be run out of the U.S., which is not really Weird. good. Um, in that sense, it's just going to be kind of more of the same abuse of our of our. Uh, uh, our tax structure, you know, our tax, our, of our tax, our tax breaks and such that uh, has been going on up until this point. Um, yeah, but those are with Canadian, like you know, our Canadian oligopoly. What's the right word? It's some uh, kind of It's, some, it's some kind of opoly. It's <laughs> yeah. It's the the unique Canada Canadianopoly of yeah. uh, of of our of our media consolidation. I, I will say for the record, I really think they should have just done a tax. <laughs> I think that's what countries in Europe are doing with Netflix and just requiring them to, you know, just have have a certain amount of con- have a certain quota of content that they carry and pay into the production systems yeah. within those production within those respective countries and they uh a- and to be taxed properly. As it stands right now, they're still not even going to be requiring Netflix to charge GST, which personally I think is insane. I That's think, a bit weird. Yeah. That's a bit weird. And uh because especially because they could probably build that in and it yeah. wouldn't be that big a deal. And, I mean, um, we've had. I know. Ne- I know. It's it's a weird thing for me. I'm I'm curious, curious to see how well this works because it may provide a a new path forward for this kind of incentivization. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I I'm just glad that Netflix is going to stick around because I I don't feel like the local streamers can be trusted to stay in business or otherwise function. And it's not like the other U.S. players are really doing a great job up here. Uh. We have no Hulu, and Amazon Prime is kind of video is still a bit of a. I mean, at least we get free anime on our Prime. We do, yes. Uh, no, no second paywall for us, but also no Garden of Sinners because uh, we don't get any backlog either. It's just, yeah, uh, we get all the true. new stuff, but uh, Sentai, all the stuff that they put on Anime Strike, whether it is uh, new or old, does seem to show up on the Amazon Prime basic service in Canada. 
Uh, and okay. Aniplex does not make the same courtesy. It seems that anything they put on Anime Strike is only Anime Strike. They uh, they don't let Canadians access it, which I think is really shitty because uh, the fact that Sendai can do it shows that Aniplex can probably do it very easily as well, and they choose not to. Right. Uh, and and j- I also just want to point out in this Netflix tax issue, uh, Netflix. The term Netflix tax has become such a ridiculous boogeyman term uh mostly thanks to the conservative party who have stigmatized the idea so much that i think people have been turned off to it to a potentially dangerous degree um and and a lot, i think that when we talk about the tax it's not necessarily going to apply to netflix specifically but just to internet access i to be perfectly honest and i think i've probably mentioned this on the show before but i'll, I'll say it again I, I think the idea of applying a tax to internet access that is similar to you know, the television levy that you find in European and Asian countries is actually a probably the best way to fund Canadian broadcasting. The big obstacle towards that right now is that broadband prices are already so high. If yeah, they would no, regulate would... those prices down to where they should be and apply the levy, people would probably be paying less for their internet than they do now and funding Canadian content. But it's a non-starter because the internet is just too fucking expensive in general. Yeah, no, I mean, you get you're, there's a set of other systemic problems that you'd have to deal with first that you're not going to get dealt with, and again, in our in our four telecom ish maybe uh, system, you know. So until some of that stuff can can be shook out, or and I and, and again, that may be a temporary, uh, just as temporary a a possibility. Um, I don't, I will not rule out that uh, the uh, thoughts that a lot of companies have towards doing low Earth orbital satellite internet would, isn't going to put a be incredibly disruptive in the next five to ten years. And if you're thinking policy uh, for something like this, you got to think out that far. Yeah. So there's a strong possibility that like, oh, you know, North America didn't build out good wired internet. Uh, at least one or two companies decided to like put pressure on all of them, and then like, well, where are they based out of? Well, they're based out of the states. Well, they're selling into Canada. Well, are they going to, you know? <laughs> To be fair, that's how satellite radio works, and it's no big deal, but it will have to be handled however you handle satellite radio in that sense. So just going back to those proliferation of, uh, of services that don't quite exist in Canada, uh, Go90, uh, yeah. apparently uh, um, Anaplex has a deal with Go90 to uh, um, distribute their, or to stream their dubbed content they added, Anahana. So and uh, Yeah, and uh, God Eater. Uh, It'd be super service. cool if we got like, it because it's like it's it's free. It's just with ads, and I'm like that. Yeah, be, but it's I'm, it's I'm down with that. It's owned by but, Verizon, and but ha- had you even heard of this service before? The second you said Verizon, I'm like, oh, that's where the name's familiar because it's something Verizon's trying to push. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's another one of these like telco. You know, we you know actually own this streaming thing, and if we had no new- net neutrality, we would make this free and tax. Uh, it's not tax, but uh charge a, a Netflix surcharge to kill it um, type services that they've got boiling there in the States in these various uh, telcos. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't, in practice, like, yeah, the ads would be nice. It'd be nice if they actually served Canada, but that's not why that service exists. Like, if it's owned by Verizon, it's there because they're waiting for the rules that would let them prioritize that. Frankly. Yeah, but I still find it weird that Anaplex keeps, keeps embracing these platforms that don't seem to be available in Canada, especially for their dubs. I, I really started to feel that if it weren't for Crunchyroll, we wouldn't be able to see their stuff at all in Canada. Yeah, no, I think I think honestly they are making these I think they're trying to make certain calls that then 
let them feel like they've got, you know, they're not just locked into one service. But realistically speaking, um, certainly for Canada, yeah, you are because you're not dealing with, you know, you're not then turning around like, hey, we got it on Go90, but we also got it on Crave. You're not considering Canada as a market. So who plays a global game? And that's Crunchyroll plays a global game arguably better than Amazon, probably at least as well as, as Netflix when it comes to access to content. You know, if they own it, they try to own it in as many places and put it out in as many languages as possible. And that's just simply not on the table, on the game plan of a Go90. Yeah. Full stop. And, uh, that's another thing about getting anime on Canadian broadcasting. If, say, a Bell-owned broadcaster did start running anime, there's a chance that we might actually start seeing anime on Crave TV. I believe they currently yeah. still have none at all. That seems nuts. Yeah. Like it seems like there's clearly things that aren't being unless people are also then like again you never know how how many of these things are being written. Like we bought the North American rights because that was available and have no intent in actually getting it on Canada. Like Go T Go ninety may actually have North American English rights to these uh, Anaplex titles for all we know, essentially blocking them out from any legal streaming opportunities in in Canada, yeah, which well, is. I- Goofy. At least Viz has their partnership with Tubi TV. I don't understand why Anaplex isn't getting any of their stuff on Tubi TV because it seems to it, right. it, if it works for Viz's insanely high standards for what qualifies as uh as high ad revenue for for streaming services, surely it's good enough for Anaplex. Um, and, okay, and on and that Anaplex note, may, may may not want to yeah. be like oh, but then we're there with Viz. Like, like I'll, I'll never roll out these like somewhat neurotic choices. I mean, consider that Sentai was basically like, we're bailing to strike, even though that's not necessarily the best way of getting at the U.S. audience, but then it still lets you not deal with funny or crunchy. Um, plus, I honestly, and this is me being a little like, I have nothing to back this up, but honestly, I think Sentai and its related uh, properties and shell companies would be a great acquisition for Amazon and would just jumpstart their their whole anime game, if that's well, something they're serious that's about. The, that's the funny thing is that I think their whole exclusivity thing that they're doing with with Amazon right now. I think that Amazon is just giving them. I think Amazon they don't seem to be picking up a lot of shows themselves mm-hmm. uh, like they were initially. Like they, when they got, when they got the Noe Tamina deal, uh, right. I, I think that was mainly driven by them understanding that Noe Tamina was a very popular block in Japan, but not really knowing anything about it beyond that. Yeah, and <laughs> I, 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 they don't really. I, it seems that they don't really have you know, people with the chops to do those uh, anime acquisitions. In fact, if I if I remember correctly, um, I think the CEO of Anime Strike actually left the company shortly after the service launched. Don't don't quote me on that. I, I think I I first recall reading that somewhere. But you know the the in general, there's definitely not the the they don't have the ta- they don't really have yeah um, the which talent is easy if you can kind block. of get that as a contract but, deal from. Sentai. Uh, from, from Sentai, a company that is desperate to be injected with money to pay off their uh, their their legacy of bankruptcy um, situations and and, many and debts. that's what I'm saying. Like it would be such an easy thing to be like buy them out, essentially you know turn Sentai into 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 an Amazon company, uh, you know just make you know sure that uh, the 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 ADV Sentai principles. Uh, you know, who managed to, to run ADV into the ground or, or informed, like, you're not going to make those deals again, but if use you were, your if chops you were... and ability to, to, you know, your connections in Japan to, like, good shows. If you can have their knowledge of how to navigate the process with Amazon money, they can actually seriously compete 
with uh, with uh, any other player in the game. Even even Funimation with Sony money is going to be a real run against uh, yeah. Sentai with with Amazon money. If 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 Carl was saying any of this in front of a live and a Twitter crowd, they would be throwing things at him right now. I'm sure they'd be so, well. They'd be so mad that the idea that they would be stuck with that service. But I mean, yeah. it's something that done. I do think the double paywall is weird. I think it's a dumb experiment um, that I hope doesn't discourage them from staying in that space. But I do hope at some point they just kind of roll it back into the back into Prime because uh, I really don't think they can. Like, I think there's a number of markets they'll never be able to double charge in, or it would be decades out before like those markets were uh, uh, financially mature enough. Whereas you could be running anime in them as Crunchyroll does uh, sooner. Like you're going to keep this stuff on Prime forever, and you're going to really run these like two infrastructures that are maybe you're going to be able to put it in the UK, maybe you'd be able to set up in. Actually, it's the only other like prime market I would think they would would, would start start with that in because even in other even in the rest of continental Europe they're going to have more of a fight, you know. Yeah. No, pretty much impossible to tell where that's actually going to go. So uh, I wonder at which point we'll this see. stuff starts to. I do actually wonder at which point for Amazon does this start to actually be like too much, too too big, and ends up getting busted up as an antitrust. <laughs> but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um. I think uh, before we wrap up, we definitely have to touch on that uh, that tourism video that came that out a couple weeks ago. Was super cool. It was the Makoto Shinkai's Canada, even though it wasn't him, but it was clearly his studio, his, his studio. was told to make it look like him. <laughs> yeah, um, very lovingly rendered from uh, a variety of detailed reference photos, no doubt. Uh, they may, I, they may, they, such, maybe one of those things where some lucky person actually got to go around and shoot a bunch of shoot a bunch of pictures actually, on uh, they, the company they, dime yeah they, hey they probably is actually it's probably like video photos they yeah. they, they got some great some, some pretty uh some pretty fantastic details uh in yeah. in, in that actual uh in that actual short if you don't know what we're talking about uh destination canada uh, or rather the um the japanese wing of destination canada did fund a 30 second tourism ad for canada which uh, which which went viral uh, a couple weeks ago and it uh, showcased some beautiful animation um, uh, that kind of featured two uh, two Japanese tourists in uh, in Vancouver and Banff and uh, Toronto and a couple other places. And I mean, it's uh, it's it's really appealing stuff. It was it was directed by I think the name I have written down is uh, Hisayuki Tabata. A lot of people assume that it was Makoto Shinkai. Um, I it clearly wasn't directed by Makoto Shinkai because if it was Makoto Shinkai, he would have uh, shoehorned some kind of uh, sappy sentimental narrative into into 30 seconds. Um, they they did take the time to actually like name the characters and write a short little background uh, to what's going on in the in in the actual um, tourism ad just to you know kind of kind of give it that faux uh, Shinkai depth, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I, I have no. to I have to say that we fared a lot better with our uh, tourism video than Israel did uh, when uh, when the Japanese uh, embassy in, in Israel did uh, their uh, anime ad or rather series of propaganda videos uh, yeah, a couple of years little... ago. Uh, it was like really cheap flash animation uh, <laughs> of uh, well what, what was it? It was two sisters who were you know trying to escape from their everyday lives into the in the magical land of Israel and <laughs> wow no we we fared way better and i mean i actually have to say it's certainly better i mean it's better than other animated depictions of canada super lovers so um <laughs> there you go um i don't really i don't i don't know if i have much more to say i was just really happy with how well it was done 
it was really, uh, you know, like the places that I have been, I, they nailed a hundred percent. They didn't even cut out any brands, which it would have been funny to see what, like, what, what, what would a fake JJ Bean be for, uh, the background of that background image? But yeah, I think it's, um, all it really just makes me wish is, is that I would, you know, there's certain places that settings that anime and tends to lean into, like, they'll do a lot of stuff in fantasy settings, they'll do a lot of stuff in Japan, they'll do then some stuff in Europe, but, North America kind of gets doesn't often get played with. Well, that's the thing. Really? Like, Carl, did you <laughs> did you ever watch? It made me think a lot of Hero Man. Did you ever watch the show Hero Man from about five or six years ago? No, I'm so busy with school. Yeah. So what really struck me about Hero Man it was that you know Stan Lee co-production <laughs> that uh, right. Studio Bones did. Um, but what really struck me was that it's set in Southern California, and the mm-hmm. way that they rendered like the suburban California setting, uh had the exact same, like, loving detail and realization that you see with settings in, you know, or, or any kind of Japanese uh, city or rural area. Um, and, you, you know, we one of the things we love about anime is the way that it uh, it it renders those, those settings in such a... Affectionate way? Such an affectionate way. And to see uh, like an American suburban area rendered in with that same kind of attention is really striking, um, yeah. because you don't you, you you know they don't generally take the time to do that, and that's kind of the same feeling I got from this uh, this Canadian oh, tourism ad because 100%. they're they're putting that same that same that same sense of realization into a Canadian setting, and uh, yeah, it just you know it ma- it makes you feel good in a lot of ways, and it has injected more cultural meaning into that stupid raindrop uh sculpture than i yeah. think it has ever had before it will now yeah. forever be the sculpture where people go to become anime in vancouver <laughs> yeah they did the big go yell like goku uh thing there like <laughs> last 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 weekend so there you go no they moved it from the they moved it from the olympic cauldron to the teardrop because oh, of that the teardrop. oh oh really i didn't know that well there yeah. there you go that's the cultural relevance right there um and also it's worth noting that this this ad it Showed up. It got a lot of exposure, not just in social media, but like on the news too. I saw it on the local CTV news. They like they yeah. ran the whole thing. I think you yeah. mentioned you saw it on CBC as well. In fact, Destination yeah. Canada probably sent it to all the the broadcasters. You know who didn't cover it was uh, Anime News Network, <laughs> which I found because they because they still don't like Canada. They're technically they're based in Canada, which is kind of makes it bizarre. You know. Yeah, but where is Zach based? <laughs> <laughs> We, 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 I, I kid, but I love. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and I guess, uh, do you want to talk about live action Your Name? I don't really want to talk I, about I, it, but I feel like we should acknowledge I, I, it. I, I feel like it's, it's something that may happen maybe tomorrow, maybe 20 years from now. I, and we'll have no, we have no idea who's actually going to be doing anything on it for real at this point, because again, it's, uh, it's been, not even clear a, if it's actually been greenlit. They just said they're developing it. Yeah. I, no, I, well, no, no, no. The thing is, is you want, you know, like Akira was in development, is still in development, and probably in some ways. Uh, apparently, they did actually finally film Battle Angel Alita, but that was in development for like twenty years. Like this is like <laughs> development means nothing. It could be like the Netflix death Death Note and be super quick, but in practice, that Death Note track movie was in for development anime, for a very long time too. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, and in practice with anime, like it takes forever. It just takes forever because, you know, somebody gets on it and, they, you know, may, this this will change once anime gets its X-Men uh, 99 under its belt, where it gets like the, the, you know, the anime adaption that actually gets people being like, oh, you could actually do this as a real thing and then gets draws in people who want to do it for real. But that could be, you know, that could be something that happens 
in 2019. That could be something that happens in 2039. I, and I can't, I can't give you any good reason or timeline when it's just to, for all the panic on Twitter about this is going to ruin it. Like next year, I'm like, no, it's not. What the fuck's we're wrong we're talking it? about the same community that actually is expecting a live action One Piece TV series to get developed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These, these little no, vague news bits that are thrown out there specifically to incite a social media reaction just to... just decide the social media yeah. reaction. So much social media will run with it, not realizing it's like Hollywood will buy fucking anything that they hope maybe to perhaps turn a dollar on, if only to make sure no one else can buy it to hope maybe perhaps turn a dollar on. And even if it's embraced by somebody like, you know, who's got real clout, because like... Wasn't it, was it James Cameron wanted to do Battle Angel for like the longest time and it still took James Cameron forever to do it, even with all of his hits under his belt? Just because J.J. Abrams is like King Reboot does not necessarily mean that this is going to go any differently. It doesn't mean he'll even necessarily be the guy really involved in the day-to-day. He may have at best an executive producer credit by the time this gets made five to 30 years from now. <laughs> James Cameron's devotion to Battle Angel is something that kind of... No, and that's doesn't what, make that any sense to me. Yeah, but the thing is, he loved the shit out of that, and it still took him forever, even with all his clout. That's my point. <laughs> is like, it, you know, like the like the he could like the like you know you could have somebody who's as much a stand for Makoto Shinkai as uh, the Pixar guy is for Miyazaki, and it still may take forever. It's just saying. It's just it's just, it's just the nature of. Uh, of how this stuff goes, at which point maybe we'll be ready for it. <laughs> I I just want to know if it does get made, will it be better or worse than the Lake House? That's uh, low, that, that's low, a big low, question low, for me. Low bar set. Low bar set. <laughs> it's 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 a low bar for sure. Uh, all right, uh, I uh, Carl, unless there's anything else you wanted to bring up, I think that uh, that wraps us up for everything. today. Everything. Follow me on Twitter at Carl Olson. And listen to my new music, and I'm good. I've got my plug-in. That's all I care about. <laughs> awesome, yeah. His uh, stuff can be found uh, at uh, uh including his album Packet Flood, uh, which is where the theme song for this show comes from. And thanks a lot for tuning into Zone in Canada. You can reach me on Twitter at jbetteridge. Uh, please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, your podcast app of choice, whatever you've got. And I'll leave a rating or review if you have a chance. Uh, and if you know anyone who might like this show, please recommend it to them. Uh, see you again. See ya.